Well, tough day for Brian Flores and the Miami Dolphins. Their win streak is over. Good day for the Tennessee Titans. Your final score, Tennessee 34, Miami 3, as the two-time defending AFC South champions get it done again. Titans turn the Dolphins into tuna fish, 34-3, the final score. Too soon? So no a miracle? Nah. Nah, that's good. You good. Miracle. Brent Doherty, Don Davenport. Hey, Don. Hi. Happy Victory Monday. He's Ron Sorry. Hey. Hey, I'm in the build. Best believe I'm in the build. Better be ready. I'm in the build. Hang out on the roof. Time for the show. Well, Ron Slay had an in-the-moment parsley last night. Yes, I did. He went in. He kept texting me every time he bet on the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> my phone was going. My wife's like, who in the hell is texting you all this? <laughs> it's Slay every time he's got a bet on the Packers. Right with me. Did you end up with like five bets on the Packers last night? It's, uh, it ended up being three. It was just like five. Yeah. It worked okay. Uh, Titans with the big win. Obviously, we spent a whole hour on that. We will continue to do that uh, through Victory Monday, as we call it here on 104.5 The Zone. We welcome to the hotline, the Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline, Mike Keith, the voice of the Titans of the two-time defending AFC South champion Tennessee Titans. Mm -hmm. Mike Keith, what's up? How are you? Well, we're pretty good, man. I'm pretty good. (laughs) I feel pretty good right now. It's pretty good. I'm here at Nissan Stadium and... uh, Getting ready to to do TV with the head coach and excited about that because I think he'll be excited to talk about his football team. I always hope he will be. Makes my job easier. And then at 6 o'clock, we'll do radio as well. Ron Slay was talking about the Titans' defense. And, and so during a break, I pulled the numbers. Last four games, Titans are 3-1 and one in their last four, obviously. Mike, they've given up 50 yards per game on the ground. 50. Mm-hmm. 3.1 yards per carry. Two rushing touchdowns in four games. Through the air, they've given up a 60% completion percentage, which is exceptionally low in the NFL. 214 yards per game, one touchdown, seven interceptions. This defense is playing on another level. Well, they got healthy. You know, it's amazing how that happens. Um, they got healthy during the bye. They got some guys back. They've got more fuel they're able to play various people situationally, which not only keeps them fresh, but plays to strengths. Um, I think, I think we saw at different points early in the year, the first, you know, the first 10, 11, 12 games, we saw these moments kind of pop up and you thought this is who they can be. And I think now this is who they've become. It's very exciting. Yeah, this is this is who they become, Mike. And now I, I was just saying, like you look at a team like the L.A. Rams, and you see all the big names and the, the guys that they that they seem to be able to get on the team and come together. But this team, the way this defense is playing, this is this right here. These guys are, are bred right here. You know, besides guys like Janoris Jenkins, everybody else is pretty much Titans home homegrown. You know what I'm saying? Don't you need that when you have a defense that's coming alive like they are, you need those guys to try to deliver on their names. And I think Kevin Byard is doing it. Jeff Simmons is doing it. Nico's coming in. Now you got Bud. Like, it's all starting to come together. How good is that for this defense? It's fantastic because part of what you have, Ron, is you have several guys who are very capable pass rushers. Mm-hmm. And, okay, you're going to double-team Harold Landry. Denico Autry's going to get you. 
and you're going to double-team Bud Dupree, then Harold Landry's going to get you. And if you don't double-team Jeffrey Simmons, he's going to ruin the play for it starts. And they've got some guys who are excellent blitzers as well. Uh, it's it's the multifaceted nature of the defense and the improved speed. And then you're able to bring in a guy like David Long, who's missed six games, and he plays you know that third down linebacker position, and and he plays a really good game and intercepts a pass, and yeah. you know Crookshank battling the tight ends, and you know maybe he gives up a catch here and there, but everything's a fight now. What I like so much about what this defense is doing is when you start at the two yard line against them, like the the Dolphins did, when you start at the seven yard line, it's like well you you pick up a first down, good for you. You pick up another first down. Good for you. Well, guess what? You picked up back-to-back first downs. And you feel really good. You're 73 yards away from the end zone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and if this defense continues to not allow big plays, yeah. you're going to have a hard time driving the ball down the field on them consistently. That's what the best defenses that I've seen in this league do is they make everything hard. That. Even when you have success, you feel like it was hard. And how often do you hear people talk about the development that Vrabel and his staff are, are doing with these guys? When you come to as far as in, it's, it's plugging guys, 88 players playing, but you, you're able to take a third-string guy and plug. You don't change what you do. You just plug in and develop those guys. Like Maybe guys like Golden Tate wasn't ready, so you got to continue developing. But the guys that are ready – they're plugged out there and, and expected to produce, and they do. Well, and part of what you're seeing too, Ron, is you're seeing guys, I mean, like Foreman. Mm-hmm. So Foreman comes in right at the start of November, and he plays a little bit and rotates some against the Rams and rotates some and plays a little bit against the Saints and then against the Texans and you know, he loses a fumble in the game at New England, but he but he has a pretty good game. Well, now he's been playing football with this team for two months. Yeah. yeah. So now he's used to being hit. Now he's used to how Monday's going to feel after a game. Now he's looking for someone coming up behind him to knock the ball out, and he's not going to allow it to, to happen. The only way you can really get good at football is playing football. And when you haven't been playing, it's hard. Well, now all of a sudden, they've got all these guys who've played a bunch of football, and then you're getting a bunch of guys who are coming back who are really good at football. Well, now what you have is depth. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness, you're depth. And you're getting ready to get more of it back on offense. You've had a bunch back on defense for the last month, and you see what that's produced. Yeah. Depth and uh, and and a little luck when it comes to health and and right. all of that kind of uh, plays into a, a championship run. You talked about getting that back. Obviously, a big topic of conversation is Derrick Henry and him sure. coming back. And so I think tomorrow is is week nine from his surgery. Um, you know, the the medical experts will say it's a six to eight we kind of recovery time. What do you expect or what do you expect the Titans to do with Derrick Henry? Well, I think, you know, Mike gave as much of it as he's given during the whole process. And that is, he he said that they were going to take a look at what they were going to do 
as far as opening the window. And let's make sure everybody knows what the window is. Yes. You come back from injured reserve, you can be designated to return, and you can practice for three weeks before they have to make a decision on you. So do they want to start that this week? If they do, Wednesday's the most logical day it happens. Um, do, they, do they decide, you know what, we'll start it next week and, and have the idea based on if they get a buy, you know, he would have, like if they started this week and he doesn't play and then they get a bye, he would have had three weeks of practice to get ready for the divisional round. Right. Yeah. So now if you're feeling good enough about it, and, and I think, you know, what we've seen from, from them is we've seen them be very quiet. We've seen them be very patient. Uh, there haven't been any pronouncements about anything. So we, you know, we know what we think we know, but we don't know a lot of specifics. And now they're going to say, okay, are you ready to go out and play football? And I, I've said this all along. I've said it on your show before. Until he starts playing football, everything else is just optimism, right? But he's got to go out and he's got to cut and he's got to do the things Derrick Henry does. And, you know, that's got to be part of the deal. And then what you get into is how does he respond? What's the day after like? And then what's the day after that like? Are you sore? Is there a problem? Are you this? Are you that? Um, these wins have given them time. And that's the beauty of this entire situation and the beauty of Deontay Foreman and Dontrell Hilliard and Jeremy McNichols. They have done the job that if you say, okay, he's not going to play this week, we're going to wait till the playoffs. I don't think anybody feels uncomfortable. I think they say, well, okay, let's be smart. And then then if you could have him for three more games potentially, oh, my. How, oh, my. Yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> like I oh. <laughs> how, I know, right? Uh, yeah. How how much of that process, obviously, you've, you've watched guys come back. You've been around this league for a long time. How much of that process – do you have to see him get reps in a game? Because there's so much talk about, oh, well, what about a series or two, you know, coming up this weekend if he can? Like, how much of that process in his injury do you think is actual game speed like reps? I don't worry about that with him, Dawn, just because of sort of how he is. I think it comes down to, to a certain point. What do the doctors say? What do the trainers say? And then... Most importantly in this, probably, what does Derek say? Yeah. Does he want to go get some? You know, does he – I mean, he didn't take any in the preseason, and he did just fine. You know, that, <laughs> That's a good point. that was the whole thing is that, you know, it, does he need it? I mean, Adrian Peterson never played in the preseason. He, he would just show up and go, but, you know, he was practicing. So does he feel like, hey, I want to go out and get hit and then – if we win the ball game, then I have two weeks to the next game. I think a lot of that goes into it based on who Mike Vrabel is as a head coach, because having been a player, Don, I think he's going to talk to his guy and say, what are you thinking? And I, to me, if I know, and, and listen, I'm not in the building right now. Okay. So I have not seen him work out. I haven't seen him at all since the surgery. So I'm, I'm, I'm not speaking out of school here, but I do think 
the one thing that Mike is great about in these situations is he wants it to be collaborative. He wants everybody to feel good about what's going to happen. Will they make a suggestion? Sure they will. But will, will his opinion count in all of this? I would be stunned if it didn't. That's normally how it works with Mike. Voice of the Titans, Mike Keith, with us uh, every Monday at 4 o'clock. Uh, the coaches show coming up, the Mike Vrabel show coming up tonight. Uh, Mike will be listening, man. Well, thank you. Hopefully people will submit their questions via Twitter, at Titans Radio. Uh, the head coach will be on with us. As will the voice of the Houston Texans, Mark Van- Vandermeer, who brings a 4-11 and team in that already has a victory over the Titans. He mentioned that like 19 times in our interview. <laughs> <laughs> right. Who hasn't quit? They I mean, that team quit. hasn't quit. Nope. No, Cully's team's not going to quit. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's just – I think David Cully's a good coach, and if they are keeping him, they're doing a smart thing. There he is, Mike Keith. Thank you, Thanks, Mike. Vaught. Appreciate it. Thanks, Vaught. See you guys. Bye. All right. That boys of the Titans, uh, Mike Keith. There you go. Uh, <laughs> presented by Farm Bureau Health Wednesday, the Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline, all of those things. When we come back, you'll hear from the head coach, Mike Vrabel. Also, Kyle Brandt, one national guy that loves the Titans. That's next to HL 104.5 The Zone. Three HL one zero four five the zone. Brent Norton, Don Davenport, Ron Slay, producer Joe Hunk, whose house was hit by a tornado. How was y'all's weekend? We are glad everyone is okay. No doubt, knocked out a. So your neighbor's shed went through your front window. Is that what happened? Yeah. So y'all, she had a she shed, and the she oh. shed is now in uh in 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 our bedroom. Our what was in bedroom. the she shed? A uh, bicycles was in her she shed. That's not a she said. It was going to become a she said from what she said yesterday. That's what she said. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> and Sorry, uh, so, yeah, so the uh, the she shed decided that it wanted to visit the master bedroom. Okay. And uh, and so that's uh, that's what happened. Well, so then your your family patches the window because you weren't home. Your family patches the window, and then we have a blizzard last night. <laughs> yes, we have a blizzard, and then in the middle of the blizzard, the the she shed decides that it wants to open up and just slams up against the house in the middle of the blizzard. Wow. So great weekend, guys. How By about way, you? If you're new to Nashville, yes, this is our weather. We we do things mm-hmm. in extremes here. Mm-hmm. So one day record high of 78, the next day, I don't know. I think we had like three inches of snow at our house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was no, beautiful. We had four. Yeah. It, it varied all over the place. Like there's some yeah. areas that had, like I saw Davis Nolan's uh, map. It was like, Seven inches here, four inches here. There six were five here. in the borough. Yeah. So, um, but it was really pretty because it was a, like a heavy wet snow. So it was all over the trees and everything, which was cool. Here's the other it thing. It also went away quickly, which was cool. <laughs> you know, very fast. You know. <laughs> um, look at it. Take your pictures. I'm gone. Another chance of snow Thursday. High temperature 35, low temperature 12, one to three inches expected. So and that's going to be our issue. They'll t- yeah. be talking about that soon. And yeah, if there's you're... so much melted water around here, mm-hmm. or well, melted snow that's water. So yeah, and it's not even that because like the streets will dry. Like as it gets cold, the streets dry. You think like, and there are freezing spots, and there was ice on on streets that I drove on today, but. Um, the, the concern about Thursday, if you do get two or three inches of snow on Thursday, that crap is sticking to the road because mm-hmm. it, we don't have like 10 days of 80 degree weather yep. 
leading into it. You've got colder weather uh, leading into it. So we'll see uh, what, what happens. Is uh, that Thursday? Thursday, yeah. If Thursday. you're new to the show, I love this stuff, so uh, there's yeah. that. Babs told you guys um, before New Year's what was going to happen. So I go. did. I said, oh, it's going to be 80 and beautiful, and then it's going to freaking snow and ice and shut down the entire city, mm-hmm. and the local news people are going to be on for 12 hours. Yeah, we, I think we handled this one well, though. Yeah. Yeah, but it. this one wasn't bad because you had 80-degree ground. <laughs> yeah, that's actually surprising. Thursday's going to be an absolute Shiano show. Yeah, it's going to be soon. Potentially. There's a lot of time between now and then. Go get your milk and bread. Uh, not yet. <laughs> A lot can happen in a couple of days with these swear, things, man. And I'll go crazy on peanut butter and jelly. Toasted peanut butter and jelly when it's cold. Toasted is peanut butter and jelly when it's cold. Is that why the bread thing is a thing? Mm-hmm. Like sandwiches? Well, I don't know. That's why it's a thing for me. Dude, you go, to the, you go to the grocery store in my hood, you still got bread and all that stuff. Really? There's beer that's gone. Every bit of it. Bread is all of fried. it. All of it. <laughs> and anything that you might mix a drink with, gone. You know what the fuck? Nah, that's not funny. <laughs> no, 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 we won't hear this. No. You don't get These to are... start something and then stop No, because you know what, what was, what was really what not said. funny? Yeah. She said, yeah. What was really not funny during the pandemic, the only beer that was left was a Corona. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like nobody was yeah. grabbing the Corona beer. Well, do you remember Corona like made a statement? They were like, we have it's not, not our to do with <laughs> this. Yeah. We promise. You drink our product, you're not getting a virus. I was like, oh, I don't need drink Corona, but yeah, there you go. <laughs> I do like that. I told you the other day. That's my favorite commercial. Is the uh, Corona commercial? Yeah. You're like, you're like, what? A Corona <laughs> yeah, commercial? The, yeah. No, you the beer. Threw me off exactly. The, the, the beer. Y'all don't do like different style of peanut butter jellies though. Are y'all peanut butter and jelly lovers? No, just peanut butter. I don't oh, do jelly. God, you're missing out. You're I just like I like the Uncrustables. I used to eat those when I was <sighs> like a kid. Anchor at like you, hey, three a.m. I like the peanut those, butter. I hey. like the jelly. I just don't like them married. What's everybody give me a look for that? What I mean, the heck do you like, eat the jelly? Listen, yeah, Clay on. chose violence at the football game the other day. We're we're all sitting together, <laughs> and we both get hot dogs, and he puts ketchup in his, and I put mustard on mine. And and to clarify, if you saw the Twitter picture, I put the mustard on the bottom of the bun. Yeah. Everybody's like, you barely yeah, have any mustard there. Yeah. No, it's underneath. That's yeah. how. That's the best way to get it's it. So done. it doesn't squirt out and right. go everywhere. That's I right. like mine squirt out. I, I want mine on my fingers. Gross. What? That's why you lick them. Uh, gross. You can't lick your fingers during a pandemic. Okay. At a football game? No, you can lick yours. Okay. Just nobody else can lick them. <laughs> That's the problem. No, because you get all those germs on your fingers. Then well, he had already shotgun and... a beer at that point. Yeah. I will say. If you were, that'll kill it, right? If you were Alcohol anywhere near me it. and Slay at that game, I apologize. I got way too mad. And oh, I don't. dear. I got I don't. way too mad. I was definitely, I was heated. And I don't apologize. Mayor can apologize. Fourteen penalties to five. Man, dude, that Look, was your ridiculous. Your job as an official is to manage a game, not control it. Seven like, pass interferences to one. Hey, man, like, and a blown call at the end. Let the game be bad on both sides. Officiate the game bad. Just the whole game. The whole game. Not one way. No, nah, you can't do that, man. That ain't Where right. Where were the official? What? ACC, a team ACC. that got suspended from um, what what game was it? Remember, remember Duke Miami. Miami? Duke. Remember the Duke Miami? Oh yeah, yeah kickoff return cool. where they where they flipped the ball around all over the field. Yep. There were like yeah. eight blown calls on one play, and they Corn got suspended. Elder. Yeah, Corn Elder was That's a part right. of their game. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, those same guys. Yeah, so that, that's two ask. crews we done got. Yeah, first of all, that's me. I'm really heated. We done got. Is that that's yeah. a, that's what comes out yeah. with sleazy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that, that, yeah, like, and I don't apologize for that. I that's was, two crews we done got. 
I was really mad. I was let me mad. ask you this. <laughs> let me ask you this, fun. my little lovely Tennessee Vols. <laughs> Were you angry or bothered by some of Josh Heupel's decisions as a coach? No, no I was cool. N- neither one of you? Uh-uh. Really you? You didn't have an issue nope. all game. None. None. The game is over, Babs, in, um, in regulation. We, well, to be fair, too, we might have been light fried. <laughs> oh, I'm a little light. <laughs> nothing, nothing light about me on hey, that Don, day. Hey, Don, Don, ask Slay what he did to my kid. Heavy fried. I cheered for him. I saw him. He he walked. He came out of the hallway because I because they never met my son. So they come out. We saw you at halftime. He saw yeah. us at halftime. In the my, my wife and my yeah. son, Slay, from about thirty feet away, just starts screaming, "Ali!" Yeah. yeah. Oh dear. Was he terrified? Yes. Yeah. 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 Oh my god. Hey, that's what it is. Baby, bad. My, my kids are the only terrified. kids in this crew that, that like Slay. They, they listen. <laughs> <laughs> When I, when I scream like that, Mavis kids run to me. Well, I'm a magnet for The real reason why Tennessee yeah, lost. Older through, slay. Yeah. The real reason, I'm glad you brought that up, or I did, I guess. Yeah. Uh, the real reason that Tennessee <laughs> lost this football game, according to my kids. This is, and this is probably factual. They they blame Buck Rising. Yup. Wait, what? Buck, yep. I'm going to be real, too. But Tennessee's up 21 nothing or 21 to 7 or whatever yep. it is. 21 7. And rolling. And Buck Rising comes over to the section. I'm like, hey, there's Buck. And he gets Slay. And he goes, Slay, we're going on the field. Yeah. So Slay leaves, goes on the field. Purdue scores 16 consecutive so points. Did. So did. It was all because of Buck. Buck! <laughs> she just left me alone. Although I did have a fun time with Buck. Buck knows everybody in the arena. That was, that was fun. But I say, Babs, regulation, the game is about to be over. All they have to do... He called the, the, they were in the one high safety and Tillman broke away from the cornerback. The cornerback grabbed him blatantly. Everybody in the stadium saw it except the referees. So the play was over. That's why they ended up going overtime and they had to kick a long field goal. But if they just Which called a penalty, one, yeah, uh, like my man, guy Adam Noose, the worst for the Titans, they were standing, him and Nihil were standing on the back, bait, the back line of the end zone. So they had the field goal coming, like, right there. Yeah. It was good the whole way. And then, like, the last three yards, it just dropped, dropped straight out. down. and missed by, like, one yard. And see, Babs, that's why, like, uh, another reason I'm not mad at what Hypo did or the way he called the game is because what you said coming out of the Kentucky game, that defense, how long can it hold up? Like, that, Elante Taylor was missing, and he, that guy that subbed in for him clearly got picked on. Yeah. He was picked on the entire time. So, I mean, man, you try to get the game over with. It's cool. It's cool. You can. You're gonna nah, see I'm that ba- in Babsy, every I'm game. I'm Babsy. I no, love you guys. No Babs, don't do that, it. You Babs, come on, Babs. That's, that's it. Like that's it right there. Don't you do this today? <laughs> it's a new year. Right, I mean, luckily, right. luckily, y'all had some time to to sleep on that oh. one a little bit. Well, that but, took, but guess that what? One took a minute. We didn't yeah. sleep that night. No, we Neither didn't. one of us. Nope. And listen, so I finally heard what everybody's been talking about with this PA announcer. I ain't get to say it on this show, but I said it on J. Martin Ramon. Hey, man, dude, pretty. Hey, he got to get something together. He got to have a little, a little come together moment with some other PA announcers to figure out how to do it, and they need to have a PA retreat. Slay, it was a great punt by Purdue. Okay, he, li- yeah. he literally said that. Like that's amazing. The PA guys, literally. Listen, y'all know me. I don't go in on people like this. Y'all know. know me. I do go in on people like yes. this. Yes. But we're both going in now. <laughs> You're right. Because I'm sitting in the stands, and I'm like, I know the Purdue guy just kicked it 50 yards, and, and it landed inside the 10. I don't need the PA guy in my own state yeah. telling me 
That was a great punt by Purdue. Come on. I'm like, really? Where he was positioned, you know, Purdue was all around him. So when I saw that, I was like, mm, I see maybe why he acted like that. I wouldn't have did it, but. I don't swayed. want my PA guy to be on either side. Yeah, like, exactly. Not offer an opinion. No. Exactly. I don't want unless your opinion. You're the, unless you're the Titans guy. But this, yeah, that's this, is, this is a whole game. game. No, I this is a different Titans, deal. Though. I don't even want my Titans guy to be that like. I do. Okay. I mean, for home games. I, I so if he would have said that when 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 Brett Kern nailed it with the three. Yeah. Great that, punt by Brett Kern. Boom. But not a bowl game. No, that's neutral. That's neutral. You got to Ryan Tannehill that thing. Just robotically call that thing. <laughs> 54-yard punt like by that. Purdue. Like that. Mm-hmm. Um, right? emotional. That's right. Or, well... What? On top of it, also, I know Purdue fans traveled, but on top of it, still know your audience because a majority of the fans there. Yeah, I, that that was just about to say like, that was a home quick. game for the Everybody balls. kept looking up like, where is he? Yeah. Where, where is this guy? So, I mean, eh. All right, so we've anyway. hit, so we hit, the, uh, we hit the tornado. We hit the, the blizzard. We hit, what else did we hit? Uh, Tennessee, Purdue. The bad mm-hmm. call, yes. Yep. You, you uh, guys didn't want to meeting, hit on the questionable Ollie. play calling, but... Uh, I think you go for the win. That's okay. The defense That's okay. can't hold up. A lot of was getting torched. No one need now. Plus, he did right get in the that. end zone. So, I mean, yeah. there's that. Uh, well, I mean, and let me let me actually, say this. No. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Babs, he did get in the end zone. Babs, listen. If you, if you, know. you know, I listen. agree with you. I'm oh, okay. just poking the bear. I'm just poking. Who's I know. Out on but for those out there that want, if your knee doesn't hit the ground, then you're not down until you give yourself up. So true. He didn't give himself up. And for the crew, talking about the Tennessee guy pulling him in the end zone. Yeah, How many times have you seen a running back go into a pile and two offensive linemen come? That's what they do. Right behind him on, and, and push him five yards. Or poor. Poor, too. Yeah, don't give me that crap. They did it in the, um, plus the, um, the whistle game. Plus, he blew the whistle after he scored. Anyway, so, like, those guys are bad and wrong <laughs> all the way around. Now, now Slay's throwing stuff at me. <laughs> She needs to get together. All right, Mike Vrabel. What's he talking about? This is uh, cut number four. Cut number four. Cut four. I want to know what the official said about Chester Rogers blocking the back call because my man was side to side with that guy. What did he say? So the first one, uh, the blind side block, um, and I think that we understand it, you know, pretty well. You know, if you're going back towards your end zone or if you're going parallel uh, to the line of scrimmage, uh, that that you have to not make forcible contact with your opponent. I didn't believe that that Chester's personally. I didn't believe that that was forcible contact. Uh, I thought that was a good hustle play. I don't think he hit him in the head or neck. I thought he tried to to turn and, and, and get his body to the side and shield. You know, uh, the the referee thought apparently that that was forcible. So, again, the key word there when you're looking at those blocks of why a certain block is blindsided and why it's not, they're they're looking for forcible contact. So, in his opinion, uh, it was forcible. And it was questionable. That was a really good answer Really good. by Vrabes. Um, we'll also get into uh, Vrabel talking about why the refs didn't call intentional grounding on Tua's pass when he threw it clearly in the dirt 10 yards in front of a receiver. By the way, Gesicki, I absolutely loved it when he got up after a 12-yard gain and mm-hmm. signaled first down and like just stood there like a statue for a minute. And then I'm like, 
Y'all did nothing else on that drive. <laughs> That's it. Congratulations. Bro. You, you got. got to the 35 yard line. That's all awesome. You You're rolling. You rock. <laughs> got it going. Really got it going now. Is that the one where I want to say it may have been Hooker came over and just grabbed the ball from him right yes. after that? Yes. Yeah. Uh, we'll also hit on Kyle Brandt, um, who says uh, that the, uh, the Titans are good. He's the one national guy. That says the times are good. We'll hit on that uh, as we move through the show. Also, uh, coming up next, Chris Lowe from ESPN.com. Uh, Oklahoma's got another player in the transfer portal. Also, uh, today is 15 years since uh, Nick Saban took over to Alabama. Eight SEC titles, six national championships later. Here we sit as he's trying to win number seven. Leave. Um, Go so- so we'll talk with Chris about that. Uh, also, coming up, Bug Rising at 520. Uh, oh. And more of your phone calls in the 5 o'clock hour. This is 3HL. Three HL one zero four five the zone. Brent Doherty, Don Davenport, Ron Slay. Let's talk a little college football. Oh yeah, our guy Chris Lowe about to check in. Chris Lowe from ESPN.com, national college football writer. Chris, fifteen years ago today, the world ended in the SEC, except for one program. Except for everybody but Tuscaloosa, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess everybody's gotten some shrapnel, uh, but uh, it's it's hard to imagine. And you put it like your tweet was great. The fourteen years prior to Nick Saban, one SEC title. 15 years uh, since, eight SEC titles, six national championships, and here we sit as he tries to win number seven. Just, uh, I mean, unbelievable. I mean, crazy. I was talking to some people at ESPN earlier today, Brent, and I know I'm dating myself here, but in my lifetime, I think it's the great. It's certainly if they win Monday. I think it's the greatest sports, college sports mm-hmm. dynasty of my lifetime. And I'm old enough to remember John Wood and UCLA. In fact, I remember watching – in 1974 when NC State and David Thompson took Bill Walton and the Bruins down. And I remember my dad saying, you know, I don't think there will ever be a dynasty like that in college sports. Um, I think Saban and Alabama have a chance to surpass them when you look at what they've done. And they've done it during a time when the rest of the SEC has been great. I mean, you, you look at, if well, if Georgia beats Bama, that's five different SEC teams that would have won a title in the last, what, 15 years? Mm-hmm. 16 years, if you go back to Florida's national title in 08. So it's not like they've just been the one dominant force in the SEC. Auburn's won a championship. Florida's won a couple. LSU's won one. Um, So other teams have been really good, and yet they've just continued to separate themselves from everybody else. And, you know, the other thing, look at how many changes he's had on his coaching staff over the last decade. I mean, they, they come and they go. Um, offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, strength coaches, and no matter who he gets in there, they just continue to sort of plug along and win at that same clip. So clearly he's the guy. He's he's the engine. And, um, you know, I think he's 70 going on about 42. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, it's amazing to think just back, you know, like a month to six weeks ago and, and this team struggling to beat LSU. This team struggling through two overtimes to beat Auburn. And here they sit again. 
this time again as an underdog to Georgia. So, you know, Nick Saban will throw out that rat poison thing, but I'm I'm currently going on the reverse rat poison because I think I think the the narrative this week will be don't bet against Saban. You learned your lesson. Don't do it. Alabama's going to win this game and and so even though Georgia's the favorite, I think it's a reverse rat poison thing going here. Yeah, well, in Georgia, you if you just if you're sitting at the blackjack table right now and you're playing the odds, the odds are that no team, not just Alabama, is going to be able to beat a team as talented as Georgia twice in a month, right? It just, there's just the odds against that are pretty long. But then you say, wait a minute, the guy coaching the other team just happens to be Nick Saban, and so you know all odds go out the window. I, Bama is uh, Bama played its best game in Atlanta against Georgia. Uh, they played pretty well against Cincinnati, but they didn't just dominate that football game. Georgia will be ready to play. I think Georgia will certainly uh, do some things differently. They'll come at them from some different ways. I think you'll see them try to pressure Bryce Young differently than they did in that first game. But still, these stages, these kind of games, he's got over a week to prepare. Um, I've I've seen this movie enough to know that I'm sure not going to bet against Nick Saban. I was about to say, CeeLo, you almost confused me, man. I was going to say, you, don't, start, don't get on here and start making no sense, man. I, that ain't what I want you to do. I was, I was almost ready to flip and say Georgia will get it done, man. But I did learn my lesson the first time, man. And I, I just don't think it can be done like that, especially on this stage. I think it's more, more likely to happen in the regular season like Jumbo got him than on this stage when he got time to prepare yeah, and it's and that's why it's the way I say when you got this much time and mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to think back to all the games they played in championship formats, and this might be as talented a team, certainly the best defense they played against. But you know, as soon as I say that, I think about that LSU defense in 2011. That defense was loaded, man. Yeah. I mean, they had they had guys going to the pros at the gills in that game. But now remember, LSU on offense was terrible. Was that that 9-6 game? Well, and then they played again in the Superdome yeah. mm-hmm. for the championship, right. and that game was like 9 to nothing forever. And, <laughs> and and both teams were just loaded on defense. The game's changed so much since then, though, the, the way the game is played. Uh, but I think Georgia, certainly in their front seven, are as good as anybody Alabama has faced in the championship game, in the championship format. Uh, they don't have tra- – you know, Clemson carved him apart that year when Trevor Lawrence was, you know, was was slinging it down the field. Now Stetson Bennett ain't Trevor Lawrence, uh, but I, you know, going back to what Slay said, man, it's you, they're just so good on these stages with Saban getting his team ready to play. Uh, I think the fact that they both see each other, they both know each other. You know, Kirby knows Nick, Nick knows Kirby. They their defenses are the same type of deal. Uh, I think it gets to me. I think it gets down to this. Can Georgia find a way to pressure Bryce Young and get him out of his rhythm? Because they couldn't the last time, you know, which means Bama's going to have to play really well up front again. I think the second thing is if this game gets into the third quarter, late in the third quarter, and it's a close game and it can go either way, at that point, does it start to creep into Georgia's mind, Kirby Smart's mind, the rest of that Georgia staff's mind? Okay, here we go again. Here, here we go again. You know, we've been down this road a bunch of times, and saving Alabama finds a way to get it done. Does it become a mental type thing? It's like you played yeah. at a high level. When, yeah. when you lose over and over again, and you know you're good. Yep. I, mean, I go back to those Florida-Tennessee Florida, Alabama, Florida Tennessee mm-hmm. games in the 90s. 
football when, when Tennessee was stacked but just could not get over the hump with Florida. Is it going to be the same way with Georgia and Alabama? Georgia's winning this football game. I'm telling you right now. What? <laughs> I'm telling you right now. Georgia's I'm telling you, Kirby game. outthinks himself and coaches way different than he normally coaches when he's playing Nick yeah. Saban. It's almost like. Not this time, Babs. It's almost like he's got the yips <laughs> against Saban. Uh oh. I tell you what, Babs, I'll say this, and, and I'm not ready to make a prediction. I, I'm leaving Friday to go to Indianapolis, so we'll, we'll, we'll talk maybe at some point later this mm-hmm. week. If Kirby does lose this game, and I don't want to just say Kirby, if Georgia loses this game, it's going to be a long offseason. It will be. That's for sure. Hey, real quick, on It'll the way out. It'll be a long, rocky offseason. And think about how much the script flips. You've got a Georgia team that was number one the entire season. You're talking about a generational defense. You're talking about a team that was clearly the, the, the cream of the crop, Georgia. And then you go from that to they lost twice to Alabama in a month, and you're going to lose a lot of that defense. Now, they're still going to be good. Georgia's going to be really good next year. Mm-hmm. But a lot of that defense is going to go pro. Think how quickly the narrative changes from what it was, say, a month and a half ago to what it will be like this offseason if Georgia can't get it done next Monday in Indy. we got like 20 seconds left, Chris, on the way out. Where do you think Caleb Williams, uh, Oklahoma quarterback, who hit the transfer portal today ends up? USC, Georgia, Oklahoma. Mm. Top three. <laughs> Yeah, I wow. thought you might throw Lane Kiffin in Ole there. Ole Miss? Chris. No Ole Miss in there? Well, I mean, I, I wouldn't throw him out of the – completely out of the equation, but I just think, you know, USC with Lincoln being there and, mm-hmm. and Georgia's going to need a quarterback. Uh, and I, I wouldn't rule out Oklahoma either because I think Jeff Levy is a terrific quarterback yeah, coach and yep. OC. All right, thank you, Chris. Appreciate it, man. I see low. All right, see you guys. Happy right. New Year, big guy. Happy New Year. At C. Low, yes. Happy New Year, you guys. Why do I keep putting people on – Anyway, I haven't been here in a week. I forget how to work the phone. So that's my problem, not yours. Uh, Five five o'clock hour coming up. We're going to hit some. uh, No roof. So a a different energy level next. Yeah, we're going up. Uh Uh-oh.